one. Well, it's here, folks. The final quad witch of the year. And it's going to be a fun one. We're going to talk about what you were going to look for in the imbalances. We got some upgrades. We got some earnings. We got Michael Houston joining us at 835 from across the pond. See what see what they're doing with interest rates. Not the same thing as here. It's Friday. It's Quad Witch. It's pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's pre-market prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders and investors. Starting out in the green here by eight handles at uh, 47.82. The buck under 102, but it's up 12 cents at 101.70. Bonds up a quarter point at 123 and 23.30 seconds. Crude working its way back in the $70 handle, up 58 cents at 72.49. Gold futures in the green, $10.60 at 20.55 and a half. Silver, man, is that volatile? That's up eight cents at twenty four forty six. Bitcoin futures, they are down two hundred and twenty five dollars at forty two thousand nine hundred and fifteen. Let's bring in Dennis and Money Mitch here, and holy macro rotation, 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 rotation is the only way to put it, Dennis. Wicked rotation here. Um, the most violent rotation that I've ever seen in my 22 years. Ever? I think so. I don't remember rotation like this. Because when the markets start going crazy, everything moves together. This is like everything moving in all different directions here. And we kind of predicted the rotation yesterday morning. I thought that it might come out of the Magnificent Seven when they were flying into all the IWM stuff. And that is exactly what did occur. Microsoft had a terrible day. I actually tweeted that one. Apple held on. Tesla did okay, but again, to you know, Spinner's point and to a lot of other people's point, Tesla was underperforming. So it was kind of like a laggard to a certain extent. But Netflix, which had been performing and running, that turned around. It was mainly leaders to laggards, laggards to leaders. So what was leading before mm -hmm. the Fed decision, the Microsoft, Eli Lilly, Lulu Lemon, all those leaders, all the money where it was hiding for you know the Fed to still stay with high interest rates. That money flying out of those stocks and flying into everything that has lagged. And stocks like SEDG up 30% in two trading sessions. Stocks like ENPH, obviously, same thing. We're talking about ENPH going from $95 just two days ago. Hit 123. Is that 125 here this morning? 95 to 125, 30 points on a $95 stock. It's like a 35% move. Like even, it, it's crazy some of these moves and this laggard stuff. So yeah. the leaders to laggards, laggards to leaders trade continues here this morning. We're seeing similar stuff, although I don't expect it to last. I don't think you're going to continue to see money pile into all the laggards. I actually was using the opportunity yesterday to sell some of these laggards out of my long-term portfolio, stuff that has been underperforming, stocks that have been disappointing. Um, just kind of cleaning it up. I think you've got to use the opportunity when this stuff happens 
to clean up your long-term portfolio. Did you see what fun strats? Tom Lee, of course, said that small caps could climb another 50% in the next 12 months. I think you guys have been in the camp of seeing this at least get up, but 50% from here? What are you guys thinking at least on that comment? He just makes bold calls, and when he's right, he's all over CNBC. When he's wrong, he's all over CNBC. So again, I've talked about Tom Lee before, and a lot of people want to give him credit. Credit where credit is due. He got it right this year, but he had the same huge high price target last year. And he was dead wrong last year. So it just goes to show you, again, I've said this before, if you stay bullish long enough, eventually you're right. So, you know, it was my, and again, you know, it's why it's so easy if you're an analyst. These all stay, well, it's not easy, but I mean, if you stay bullish and stay bullish, eventually the markets come around. You're like, see, I told you so. But I mean, as traders, we don't have the luxury to sit around because if you would have sat around for Tom Lee for the last two years, you would have made nothing. You would have made zero dollars because the S&P is right back to where it was two years ago. So the last two years was a bear market. We finally have all those losses back. So, but we still haven't even hit the highs. 479 back in March of 2021. We're 473 here today. So Tom Lee was bullish through this whole thing. And we want to give him so much credit. Well, what about in 2022 when he was dead wrong? So I think it's more credit to the people who actually call sell-offs and then rallies or figure it out a little bit more. I don't know. Myself? Um, the S&P is up nothing in the last two years. My trading account is, I believe, up 130% in the last two years. So that's a big difference here. So, I mean, obviously, if I would have just been not trading and investing my trading account, I would be up nothing right now in the last two years. Well, I can't pay the bills on nothing. So if you want to do this for a living, you've got to be able to go both ways. Meaning you've got to be able to make money in bear markets. You've got to be able to make money in bull markets. We're not in the prediction business. So, you know, like the T3 guy said the other day, we're in the inefficiency business, finding little micro inefficiencies uh, right. yep. to Jay. take advantage of. Like yesterday was an inefficiency. When you saw Microsoft rallying with the overall market yesterday, it was probably a good selling opportunity. Microsoft went straight down at the open. Identifying those patterns before other traders is how you extract alpha as a day trader. Now, if you're a long-term investor, just listen to Tom Lee and buy good companies at reasonable valuations and you'll be okay. Well, I definitely say hit the like for that. That's the kind of stuff that you're here for, guys. So definitely smash that. Of course, with the rotation, we talked about the solar stocks yesterday. They continued to lift off. And today, of course, the analysts coming out. Um, we had a lot of initiates from Jeffries. I don't know if there was a new analyst there, but he went on a rant there. Uh, I'll call it a rant because uh, lifting up two solar stocks, Sunrun for solar, both with buy ratings, uh, Sunrun with a price target of $25 and First Solar with a price target of $211. ENPH is in the IWM. Um, just to kind of bring one more into this talk, do we think that solar can just keep charging ahead? I, 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 and to bring this right back to what I just said, no, I don't think so. I think that you're using this opportunity to clean up. Like this stuff's all massively oversold and stocks are going down 70, 80%. You're going to have 100% rallies. So where it stops, who knows? But I just think like this is not the change that, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't think it's going to be banks. It's going to be, you know, all this stuff that has been really beaten up because of interest rates. I, I just don't think this is the stuff that's going to lead us out of here. So I'm, I'm hoping, what I really hope for is a continuation of like the money moving from the AI trade into this interest rate trade. So I think it's going to set up a good opportunity because I think it's still going to be the NVIDIAs and the AMDs and stuff that actually drive the next bull market. I don't think it's going to be solar edge 
driving the next bull market. And when you look at these charts, it's so difficult because you look you look at the daily on something like this, and you're like, uh, um, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, this is just such a rally. I, I, you know, but then you look at the bottom right chart, you look at the monthly, and it's kind of like, you know, you got to throw out the high, you got to throw out the low almost, yeah. and where. Where is fair value, you know, on these companies? I mean, you give give back all those gains. I mean, you know, kind of like with the COVID lows, right? It, it is kind of it, it. It's just hard to look at those and say, "Wow, we were actually down there, and here we are." I so I don't know, you know, for investors that are new, you know, just got into these things, you know, they waited, they waited. <clears throat> There's going to be a lot of overhead supply on the way up. Obviously, people trying to wiggle out. But yeah, you just can't. Don't short them, right? I mean, how can you stand and you know in front of these things with the? Right. With if you're the too early, you're dead. You're dead. So I mean, you've got to be very careful. Again, Nick Shaheen, who came on the show for a lot of years, I love that saying: too high to chase, too hot to short. I think that's where we are on a lot of this IWM stuff. It's too early. Like you're trying to short a rocket ship. I have been just destroyed shorting rocket ships before. So I think you got to wait until you actually get, you know, some a candle or something, you know, a red candle, some type of profit taking here because these things have ripped. But I do think if you're long these things, I think it is a selling opportunity. And I did sell some IWM yesterday because, man, 8% in two days? IWM? When has it done that, Joel? I mean, when has the IWM went up 8% in two days? This it had to be big, back in 20 in 20 in 20 maybe yeah, when we yeah. were really chopping around but we were down 10 percent the day before that <laughs> yeah i mean this is an incredible move for the iwm if you've been sitting with small caps and just like getting crushed this is like helping your portfolio big time here and maybe it's time for a little reallocation clean up the trash get rid of the trash maybe move out a little bit of that stuff and start moving into some of the stuff that's actually going to drive the next bull market and some of those stocks you know, are a little bit more expensive to get, but they're more expensive for a reason. Yeah, one thing I wanted to bring the conversation to is the consumer cyclical stocks because I'm really starting to see them starting to juice up and it's been a big run in certain stocks like Leisure. And of course, what if we... Uh, at least majority, I feel like, might have had it wrong with the recession that we're expecting to Ooh, come. Yes, and yes. now you're starting to see those stocks really lift off. If you look at it like comparable to like, let's say an RCL, right? That's a 56% yeah. run since yeah. early November. That's yeah. a big move, right? And I think that one of the things that we need to be thinking about, and I was talking about it with Dennis in the pre-show, is what did the Fed really do here? Was it that they really see themselves cutting or did they see the slowdown coming ahead and wanted to go ahead and front run that recession by just mentioning that they could cut. And just that alone, we saw the spark that it did to the market. Is that itself a way to save and cut out this recession altogether? Uh, I think you're right, Mitch. I think Powell is looking at the same stuff that we were looking at and saying, Hey, Consumer savings have been exhausted. Credit card debt is rising. The little guy is suffering here to a certain extent. It hasn't hit the economic numbers yet, but it's bound to hit eventually. We know it started to hit in Canada. We've already are in an official recession in Canada. Again, the Canadians are in a different spot than the Americans for the simple reason is that the Canadians have five-year fixed mortgages only, and half of them have variable mortgages. So they're already feeling the pinch from higher interest rates where you have the U.S. consumer that are all sitting on 30-year fixed, 
and they're in a lot better shape, so they don't get hit nearly as quickly here. But I think he's trying to get ahead of it. I think it's a good thing. I think they're being proactive here, so they're not waiting for the data to fall off a cliff, which I thought they would. Because that's what he always says. We're data dependent. But we're not data dependent here. He's actually trying to predict a slowdown. So he's trying to get ahead of it here. So it's actually probably a good thing. And does this avert a recession? Does this mean that, you know, we're officially done on the recession watch? Um, It's definitely a move to be like if you're a full recession, no matter what, this changes things. Because if he starts lowering rates ahead of the slowdown, that could change things substantially here. So that's the consideration. And that's where I'm sitting at here right now is I'm analyzing, still sitting with lots of cash. Cash is still paying me pretty good. Uh, but I'm looking at dips to get some money back into this market because there is going to be some opportunities here. And if the Fed is going to be accommodating to the market, don't fight the Fed. Going to you, Joel. Let's talk a little bit about, of course, Quad Witch Day, Spy X Dividend. What do you think about the Quad Witch coming into play exactly with the environment we have? Oh, I mean, this is just a really unusual one with the, you know, with the Fed speak. Uh, it's just it's turning points in the market, right? And uh, you've seen it off a lot of different expirations. Uh, will this just be like a, you know, like a blow off top and a, uh, a reversal? Or just a really strong continuation of the trend. And right now, I mean, there's nothing in there, nothing, seeing nothing technically that says that this is, you know, this market's slowing down. You're coming into seasonality. I don't know. There could be some extra event or, you know, some kind of thing that's uh, beyond our control. But, uh, you know, there's going to be uh, big, probably big buying balances here. But it's, it's an important day for the market. We've already. Mar- Rolled over to the uh, to the March contract. The December goes off the board today. Uh, so, uh, Dennis, what do you say? Well, balances are going to be there, but they're going to flip a lot. So. Yeah, you can't. So one day we can look at pre-market imbalances and get a feel for where stocks are going to open. You cannot do that on a third Friday because they flip the line, they flip the shirt, they go all over the place. Data is meaningless on this day. But you do see some weird open. So the way I've always approached the open is the old Don Bright strategy. May he rest in peace, but Don Bright's taught us so much of bright trading. And he's got the whole envelope system where he goes and, you know, he's offering stocks for sh- uh, to short if they're opening too far uh, above fair value. And if they open too far below fair value, he's buying. Those strategies work sometimes, but they work really well on these types of days usually. But again, we're in so much rotation here right now. That strategy works better when everything's moving together. Like you got to have a stock opening down two and then it goes down four. So it's a little bit, you know, scary to do that strategy right now. You've almost got to have a feel for, well, these stocks are probably the ones that are going to, like I wouldn't want to buy Microsoft below fair value yesterday because you get crushed. So you got to kind of have that feel with the two and saying, well, they're probably going to come out of mega cap tech. Maybe if Microsoft opens too high, I get short. So, you know, you got to get your ducks in a row, combine multiple strategies to come up with a trading thesis almost right now when the rotation is this violent. And, and just to illustrate here a little bit, um, where am I? Uh, I should put an arrow in here uh, to make it a little bit easier. But you can see with the arrow, where's my arrow up? Uh, right here. Um, this was your, your March, right? So the their expiration right at the end of March kind of hung out at the, you know, we closed near the highs. So this is going back uh, to the March expiration continuation, right? Uh April, May, June, June, you had, you had some follow through, but you did have a little bit of a reversal 
in that. And then September, that just about marked the bottom right at the expiration. We did go down a little bit more in October, but you can see, you know, the major turning points in the market. And this one up near all time highs. So market has a lot of work to do. But like what you said, going back to the to the Fed, I mean, it's just something, you know, we, you know, we definitely weren't looking for that to come this early. We thought it'd be dated. Jeremy yeah. Siegel, everyone, you know, he's been he, calling the market pretty he, good. He take he took yeah. the market by surprise, and this is the adjustment to the shocking Fed, Fed speak, the shocking stuff that's coming out of Fed. Because again, to Mitch's point too, they were always data dependent. Now they're all of a sudden in the prediction business. Because there is no reason, if you're just looking at the data, to be talking about lowering rates. There's no reason if you're just looking at the data. We haven't really slowed that much, you know, on from the data. People aren't losing their jobs. People, you know, so he, they, 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 they're lying when they say they're data dependent. We always knew they weren't. But they're full on in the prediction business here now. And that's what the market is adjusting for. They're adjusting for an accommodative Fed. And that is a scary thing to fight. I tried to fight the Fed. You know, in 2013, 2014, we start going up. You cannot fight the Fed. Quantitative easing drove this market up 200% over the course of 10 years. So if we're going to go back into an accommodative Fed where they're just going to lower rates every time we get a little hiccup, that's a scary thing to fight if you're a bear. So I think you've got to put your bear thesis on hold. I think everything changed two days ago. Costco's earnings Q1 adjusted at $3.48 beats the $3.42 estimate. Q1 net sales of 56.72 billion, total revenues of 57.8 billion, uh beat the 57.72 billion estimate. Costco's wholesale executives said that gross margins in the quarter were higher year over year by 43 basis points at 11.04%. That was said on the conference call. But, of course, the big surprise came with the special dividend, of course, of $15. Well, that will definitely help out things. Yeah, and I tweeted out that I thought any rally in Costco likely gets faded because we have this whole leaders to laggards yeah. lagger to leaders yep. thing. But then they announced a $15 special dividend. I'm like, well, that changes things because, you know, it's like – Stocks usually don't sell off, and they announce a fifteen dollars special dividend. They usually go up fifteen bucks. The way this stupid market yeah. works. Yep. Yeah. So, but what we saw was the sell-off. It actually surprised me very much. It got up. They ran it up the fifteen bucks to six forty-five. Then they sold it off forty or twenty-five points, all the way down to six twenty. Then they bought it all the way back up. So choppy, choppy session here. Wow. I don't even know what to say on Costco. I mean, the fade did happen, but then they just rebought it right back up. Um, I'm surprised that fade happened though with that $15 special dividend. That's what surprised me the most. Yeah, trade and they've tacked on 14.10 right here. So uh pre-market high. We're trading just off the highs of the pre-market session that comes in at uh 648.20. Uh the street was selling into the report yesterday, kind of going with the whole leader lagger thing. I don't know if they were getting short. Uh, but we'll see and, uh, and see if they continue to take off. I mean, you can look at it. You know, it's at an all-time high. It's breaking out. It's They must be doing pretty darn good over there. They're giving a $15 special dividend. What I would encourage investors to do is maybe go, was it was it Home Depot that did that a while ago, Dennis? 
Um, um, there's I, been a few. I don't remember who. Yeah. And, and I, Nev making a point in the chat. It's deducted from the stock price. Absolutely. When it goes X oh, dividend, yeah. the stock price goes that down. But this is how stupid this market always is. I've always said, really, when you declare a dividend, they're just taking it from you. So, I mean, your stock's going to go down 15 points on the day it goes X dividend. So why jack it up? But that's what they do. They jack it up to take it back away. So, I mean, I, I, it's still coming from your cash, which you already had. But that's just investors do that, you know, and especially yeah. in bull markets. Stock $10 special dividend. I've traded it for years. You know, they usually go up seven, eight bucks at least. Maybe not the whole thing, but they go up a lot of it. Lenar Q4 adjusted earnings here at $5.17 beats the $4.59 estimate. Sales at $10.97 billion beat the $10.22 billion estimate. They do see Q1 net orders at $17,500 to $18,000. And then on the earnings call, they said that we would not guide for the full year margin at this time as the interest rate environment is rapidly evolving. Uh, new orders did surpass estimate, but Lennar posted lower than expected gross margins on home building. You said it best, Joel. Just, you know, the stock has been running and running and running and running. It was running, you know, it was 100 bucks. Now it's 154. It's just expectations really high here. Um, so this gets hit not because the earnings are disappointing. It gets hit because these expectations were just through the roof. I mean, tacked on 14 points ahead of it. So up 10% in two days ahead of the number. This is as high as expectations as you can get. So, I mean, they were going to have to, like, just do something in incredibly fabulous for this stock to continue to go higher. And obviously, you know, that wasn't the case. Uh, well, let's see here. Uh, 10 out of the last 11 days, uh, this has uh, been higher. And uh, the one down day was down $0.07. Cents. That's what it's done. So that's a streak may come to an end today you're not even at yesterday's low so i would keep an eye on that 147 and a quarter uh soft number because uh there's not much under that until you get to the 139.30 area unchanged that all-time closing high it made an all-time closing high by uh over nine dollars and that comes in at 54.81 so i would just respect that as a level that was pretty close to the high of the day so that's the only risk uh resistance i could give you and lenar the xhb that just uh that had a big day yesterday i mean lower interest rates i mean what what else you know do these home builders want, right? If rates are going to be coming down, people are going to be kicking the tires. It's going to take a while, but uh, wow, just a, a combination of things. But uh, Lennar, uh, new all-time high yesterday. We'll see if it has any kind of losing streak. Hard to turn around and just be All bearish, right. though, the home builders, too. Yeah. So I'd yeah, be cautious, I'm not... like just randomly. The only reason to sell or short stocks right now is that we've just come too far too fast because now – you have the you know the, the feds behind this market um we haven't really seen the recession ever hit but i'm going to start lowering rates look at all the bullets in the chamber here i mean this was always the the trouble with really getting bearish long term here because you're in a situation where the fed actually is sorry i was getting hit on stuff and i lose my train of thought but you're in this situation where the fed has so many bullets in their chamber that mm -hmm. They can knock down any recession that's thrown at. They haven't had these kind of bullets in their chamber in 15 years. Yeah. So, I mean, forget about QE. Interest rate lowering has always been stronger than QE. So, I mean, interest rate, they start lowering these rates as market takes off again, too. I do think you got to be buying dips. 
one thing that I've said in October 23rd, when I put out my even real estate video is that I said with these home builders, I expect to see an oversupply come to the market. And I think that has something to also to do with showing up those lower than expected gross margins. Why they're willing to give up some of those gross margins? Because they right now they just want to get as many houses out. I talked about this right here on pre-market prep when I was talking about the story that I'm looking around and I'm seeing just a whole bunch of building, right? I'm seeing, I don't know if you guys are seeing the same thing, but that's what I'm yeah. seeing. Yep. It's like they're they're willing to build at any cost right now because they can sell it at this high valuation, right? And they've never been able to sell these houses this expensive. Like even in rural places in America, they're still charging $300,000, $400,000 for these brand new homes. This wasn't the same, let's say, even five years ago. No, I mean, everything has doubled from where we were five years ago. Like, that's the how cost of houses have just doubled. And I've talked about this before, too. When I got quoted in 2018 to build my new home, they said in Canada, this is Canadian prices, but it's at 300 to 400 a square foot. Now the pricing on homes is 500 to 800 a square foot. The same homes five years later. So that's just where the building costs have gone. We've gone on the low end of 300 to the high end of 500 or to the low end of 500. We raised that high end from like 400 to 500 to 800. So, I mean, it's really just cost materials is one thing, but lumber has to come back down. It's the labor costs. Like, you know, you were getting somebody, and again, I'm Canadian prices, so you have to do the adjustment to US, you know, obviously 30%. But I'm, you know, you look at the labor costs and people were working for 35, 40, $45 an hour. These same people are 75, 80, 85, $90 an hour in Canada now on skilled labor. And that's what the cost is involved. And those prices are not coming back down. Yes, lumber comes back down, but people do not take wage cuts. So unless we go into a serious recession, which the Fed is going to probably try to stop no matter what, apparently they're getting ahead of it, that's hard to bring the wage inflation back in. And jobs are still not plentiful out there. So that keeps wages higher too. So it's very difficult. And you feel for like the little guy or you feel for like the person who's just graduating. And how are they going to start buying a house, Mitch? Like how do you come in and find the money to go buy a house now when they're so expensive. Some of these people may never own houses. Like a minimum wage job, how do you come in and actually buy a home now? It's really difficult. All right, let's go. What, what are you showing there, Joel? I saw some charts moving there. Uh, that, oh, no, I just looked at uh, uh, the Wood ETF. Uh, that, okay. That's lumber. Yeah, I just wanted yeah, to uh, yeah, LFG that. is one that I... Uh, that, that's what one thing that I've never really traded. I don't know if you guys trade any of this. WFG, West Fraser okay. Timber. Uh, oh, is one okay. that I've been keeping a close eye on. That's a relatively newer company. Uh, it's it's very like kind of not sexy, but hey, who knows? If you guys feel that this is really going to move, I know BLDRs has been just such a monster, oh, right? Man, these things are I mean, fire. look at that thing. That thing can't stop. And it's breaking out even right here. Um, when you when you already have seen this go, how long in 23? This is up 161%. Not what you expect, guys. Yeah, this Let's, got added to the S&P too. So that gave it uh, a little bit of a boost as well. But holy mackerel, look at that thing. Just busting out a little bit of a decline. And what day down, three, four days of consolidation, and then off to the races. It's been a... 
extremely strong stock. I, I mean, I'm just still kind of like shaking my head at, at like the Fed and, and, you know, lowering, you know, talking about what, you know, the pivot, the pivot coming. I guess uh, Powell wanted to deliver a Christmas present to everybody, and uh, he certainly did. He has. Um, we yeah. talked about this when BLDR had that ad to spy. It was Car Carrier Global. That's a, that's on breakout mode also. So I'm watching these home building and building materials, maybe even more than the builders themselves, because these companies are just taking off. This market is trying to leak a lot of this back. We were up significantly here this morning. And again, if you're trading the S&P, you have to adjust. Spy is ex-dividend here today. Yep. Adjusted close is 170.10. So we're actually not down 90 cents. Some people were saying we're down. We're not down. The S&Ps are actually trading up about 10 handles. Uh, but we are leaking slowly here. We do have breaking news, though, 830 December. Empire State Manufacturing breaking here. It's moving the markets a little bit. Darden That's Restaurants, Q2 adjusted EPS at $1.84, beats the $1.74 estimate. Sales of $2.73 billion, missed a $2.74 billion estimate. They expect fiscal year sales of $11.5 billion versus $11.57 billion estimate. An adjusted EPS of $8.75 to $8.90 versus an $8.81 estimate. I did go to uh, Olive Garden. Uh, just recently um so maybe that helped but uh it was busy i'll tell you that much yeah darted uh they took it up to 165 and then a little bit of uh pullback here down 234 i like to see where it's trading into in relation to yesterday's low Yesterday's low is 161.64, so that's what you'll be looking at at gap fill. Consider that resistance for now. But the better levels on the downside here, and we are we did take it out in the pre-market. Uh, you had a pair of lows at uh, the 160.30 area, so keeping or 160.34 is your next daily low. But uh, using uh, yesterday's low as resistance here for Darden restaurants. Nice run, but. Pull them back after earnings. I, I'm not into Darden. So I, we lost Mitch here. I don't know what happened. Did we Mitch. lose Mitch? Well, I, I heard some crackling. I didn't know if that was Mitch or if it was you, Joel. I'm trying to figure out where the crackling is. I see him. We just lost him here for a second. He's back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Sorry, guys. I just <laughs> had something happen in the background. Had to hop out for a second. Yeah. So Darren, <laughs> I mean, we've run so far here. Again, we just got to give a perspective. $135 to $165 for a restaurant stock is a big move from October. And this earnings is not great. It's kind of in line guidance. So I mm -hmm. think there's better things out there. Uh, I'm not buying Darren into this. All right, let's get to, um, did you guys see Rivian's move yesterday? And it was uh, announced early on Thursday that they partnered with AT&T. Um, so this is to, of course, purchase EVs from Rivian for its fleet mm. as a part of a pilot program focused on cutting transport emissions. So AT&T said that it expects to add Rivian's commercial van as well as R1 vehicles to its fleet starting in 24. Uh, futures fund managing partner Gary Black said that this is the first deal for Rivian after the company announced last month that it had ended its exclusivity agreement with online retailer, of course, Amazon.com uh, for its delivery vans. I think this is a great move for them, right? This opens the door to do more partnerships. Yeah. And I think that Rivian is one of the companies in EV that has done it the best in the case that I don't think they rushed 
towards their growth. Um, of course, they have a high valuation, but they tested a lot with Amazon, got Amazon happy. And if you can make Amazon happy, you don't yeah. think other brands are going to be happy to bring you on? You brought up that news when you were talking about it. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, my one criticism of these stocks is, you know, they're these companies is they don't sell enough cars. I did not know that they had got out of that exclusivity agreement with Amazon. I think that's an absolutely brilliant move. Uh, the stock is being rewarded, had a nice day yesterday, gapped up yesterday. I mean, once again, they got to you know prove it uh down to the uh to the you know to the bottom line right but uh man i don't know i don't know if you want to stand in front of this one I, it, that would have been like some news i think if i would have heard that i think i would have like immediately bought the stock because i just think that that you know regardless if they're selling more cars they're reaching out to more people it's going to yeah. take a while but man you talk about you know retracements and ways to go on things uh that's a good move for them trading up 59 cents absolutely uh, they... distracted here i mean we can talk this all i want we just sold off significantly here on the market Joe. i can't believe you're the one that quotes us all the time iwm just fell a buck all right well what this manufacturing number they are not liking for whatever reason policy fed williams policy focus on getting inflation down to two percent there you go the fed speak right now on cnbc hammer in the market Williams is talking and he's talking about inflation getting down to 2%, which we opposite of what Powell was talking about because Powell's already Yeah, Powell even said that, like, you know what? We see this happening in 26, so we're not going to worry about it anymore. Yeah, this well, is serious, serious concern here. Huh. Okay. Wow. What are this, we well, this is to? why the market is getting hit. So it's not necessarily a serious concern, but we just got hit here. Ray, he's somewhere. saying the exact opposite of Powell. Ray cuts, Ray cuts are, are not the topics not... of discussions. He's taking everything oh. back, what they said yesterday. What, what, taking uh, everything back. This is how the feds love to do it, man. They love to be in the headlines. He's taking everything back from what they said yesterday. That's crazy. Well, uh, I think watch out like always, guys. I mean, the market has been rosy. At some point, pullbacks are are necessary in this run. But I mean, I don't I don't see this trend changing. We'll see the buy the dippers come uh. in here. Um, what are levels that you'd be watching for, Joel, for like maybe pullback levels here? Oh, pullback. I mean, at, at every dip. I mean, for for me, you know, the the close is important, right? Uh, the old time. Uh, not all time. The the high close for the move, uh, 74, 47, 74. Uh, but if you're looking for like your next daily low, I mean, it's, it's, it's 30 handles lower. I can't give you, I can't, I mean, the pre-market low 65, 75, that means absolutely nothing to me. So as far as trying to identify a support area, it's 30 handles lower and uh, we'll see if uh, the buy dippers come in ahead of that. But uh, wow, what a, what a, what a surprise here. What, what, did he talk to Powell? Did he listen to Powell? Or is he just kind of, yeah, Powell, Powell went off the rails and now this guy is, uh, it's totally reversing it at yeah, or near crazy. right place for monetary policy. Holy mackerel. Holy mackerel. Well, let, let's continue this conversation and find out what he thinks across the pond, right? You guys know it. Smash the like. Let's keep it going. Michael Houston, Michael Houston over there at CMC Markets. I was just keeping an eye on the market here for a second. Michael, help us out here. I mean, come on. You see what the Fed did? 
You see what Williams is saying now? I know you guys are holding steady over there. What what what's the view from across the pond? Well, I've got to say, guys, Powell's tone um, on Wednesday completely threw you know completely threw me because yeah. at the beginning of the month he was saying that policies we're not sure policies restrictive enough, <laughs> and then he suddenly goes full reverse ferret. I mean, ultimately, I thought I was listening to the president of the European Central Bank, not the chairman of the Federal Reserve, because ultimately Lagarde was hawkish. And you look at this morning's PMIs out of France and Germany, and they are horrible. I mean, we're talking um, France and Germany being in recession. France, Q3 contracted 0.1%. Those PMIs this morning suggest that Q4 is going to be contraction. And yet, ultimately... Lagarde would have us believe that they're not going to be cutting rates in the first quarter of next year. Well, I've got a word for that. Baloney. Um, they are going to be cutting rates, probably the end of Q1, beginning of Q2. Federal Reserve, not so much. I think what Williams is saying makes perfect sense if you look at what they did with the dots. Um, you know, we're talking three rate cuts potentially next year, not six. The market's way ahead. Way, way over its skis on this. And ultimately, I think you've got to look at the data. And the data doesn't support the idea of a Fed rate cut in the first quarter of next year. End of discussion. Excellent mention there, Michael. Uh, we were talking about it this morning. Dennis uh, and I were like trying to go back and forth. Did the Fed change from data dependent to now being more in predictive mode? And the mm. reason why we were saying this is that we could think that maybe they saw the recession coming. And they're kind of trying to put out the right wor words to kind of support the market and keep this recession away because they well, still mentioned the slowing down of the economy, right? I think the economy is slowing. I don't think you're going to match the Q3 5.2%. We'll probably get that confirmed next week. Inflation is slowing. Jobless claims, 200,000. Unemployment, 3.9. But I think there's also an element of politics in this pivot yeah they don't want to be cutting rates in the last quarter of next year so what they want to be doing potentially is getting out in front of that and potentially getting their rate cuts done the end of q2 beginning of q3 and then ultimately trying to stay above the political fray you know i think there's an element of politics to this because if you recall four years ago when trump was um going for re-election he wasn't shy about trying to politicize the Fed. And yeah. I don't think the Democrats will do, I think the Democrats will probably do the same thing. And I think they want to try and steer it as much away from that as they can. Is this the right move of the flip to go quickly there's to the a, other there's side? There's a difference between, you know, slashing rates and cutting rates. I think rates are restrictive. I think they can come down by about 25, well, by 50 to 75 basis points over the course of the next 12 months quite easily. But do I think they're going back to, you know, where they were pre-pandemic? No, I don't. But I think there's a wider risk here though, Mitch. Mm -hmm. And I think it was in the China data earlier this week. China's in deflation. Yeah. Um, and the way that European inflation is going, I mean, EU CPI is at 2.4%. The target for the ECB is 2% or below. So we're pretty much there already. 
which is why I don't understand why they're so reticent about signaling a potential, you know, pivot. The data supports it. They say they're data dependent. Well, hello, Christine. Look at the PMIs. Wake up. Is anybody there? Knock, knock. I think that's yeah. what they need, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, we just are continuing here with this. Uh, this is decline. just shocking stuff here. I'm just coming in the background here, Michael Houston. We're going to have a question for you in a second. But Fed Williams is just undoing everything that Powell just said. Premature to be thinking about timing of rate cuts. You know, talking about they're still like basically they saw this rip roaring rally and they're like, screw this. This is not what we wanted to happen. And they're taking it all back. Like they're saying everything back. I don't even know how you trade this. Like when you got Powell saying one thing and Williams saying the opposite thing, rate cut issue, not the main question before the Fed. I mean, this is like, it, it honestly looks like they put Williams out here to undo this mar wicked market rally that we just saw. So well, I, I don't think, even I think, you know, it's what I said earlier though, guys, I think, I think markets have overinterpreted it. We're in December. So if you're trying to trade this, trading up to Christmas, then I think you're best to stay clear. If you haven't made your money by now, don't get involved because these sorts of market moves are potential widow makers for you. You, you should, you know, you should have made your money by now. <laughs> and, I, and I think ultimately what he's doing is he's trying to reset the narrative a little bit. The market's got ahead of itself. Yeah. You know, he's time. right to some extent. The US economy doesn't need a rate cut at this point. I think one thing that was said also, uh, and you just mentioned it, Michael, how a pal earlier in the month was saying that we weren't sufficiently restrictive enough. And he's coming mm. in here and also stating that right now. Mm. And so that's completely going back to exactly what Powell was talking about a month ago. Yeah. So that's just a, a complete flip in the narrative. Well, it, was two, it was two weeks ago. I mean, it was the first of this month. I think there or thereabouts that Powell said that. Yeah. So, you know, this is not helping the credibility of the Federal Reserve. You cannot have, on the one hand, Powell saying one no. thing on a Wednesday, yeah. and Williams turning around and completely reversing it on a Friday. There needs to be a middle ground. Yeah, I think this someone's getting a call. dropping to me how contradictory all this stuff is. Like, I like, I'm agreeing with you completely here, Michael. I cannot believe, like one, I couldn't believe what Powell was saying. You know, like what that, you know, talking about cutting rates, like that was what was shocking. I think that's why it was such a violent move up in the IWM because they're like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, the Fed's going to cut rates even without, you know, the economy falling off a cliff. And now you get the Williams saying the exact opposite. So what's the market to do here? As a trader, like, I don't even know what to do. We just wait for the next Fed speak because we just rallied, you know, significantly. Now we're giving not a lot of it back because I think the market thinks obviously Powell has more weight than Williams, but this is a significant sell off here. How do we interpret this? Well, I mean, look at the look at the yield. Look at the two-year yield. The two-year yield is still well below the level it was before Powell opened his mouth on Wednesday. I mean, the two-year yield, I'm looking at my Bloomberg chart, was around about 4.73%. We're still at 4.47. I mean, we dropped nearly 50 basis points on the, on the basis of what Powell said on Wednesday, which, to my mind, is completely way overdone. So we're just reversing some of that. Let me reiterate, we will probably see rate cuts next year. We just won't see as many as what the market was currently pricing. The market was pricing five or six. Sorry, I just don't see that happening in the absence of a resilient U.S. economy. And I think that's what we're really seeing here. The markets, the Fed's looked at the market and they thought, what the hell is going on here? We need to somehow reset the narrative a little bit and try and get people back to where we think they should be. And I think that's essentially what Williams is doing. 
Is there any need to cut, Michael? You know, no, that's no, one thing. No. no. Is, so then why bring the conversation? That's what I'm wondering. Because, of course, if the idea here was mm. also to get the Fed balance sheets down, why even bring the conversation before we see that economic weakness? Again, you know, I mean, that's why I was surprised at the way Powell came out on Wednesday. I expected him to push back a little bit on the market narrative. And the fact that he didn't, and they lowered the dots and put them back to where they were in September. I mean, that sort of makes sense to my mind, because ultimately I think the Fed was looking to be restrictive in September. They raised it to 5.1 um, by the end of next year. They moved it back to where it was in September. You know, I think that's all they really needed to do. But unfortunately, I think, you know, I, I don't know what was going on in Powell's head, if I'm honest with you. Um, and certainly I think this is a potentially a damage limitation part on, on, on the part of Williams. Have we got some more Fed speakers next week? we'll probably see a further reinforcement of the of the message that we're getting from Williams today. Of course, one of the things that we're concerned about is not just only recession here in the United States, but what about global recessions? I know that you keep up with a lot of different markets. How do you see it in different places than just the US? Well, Europe, I think, is already in recession. Um, you've only got to look at those PMIs this morning. Um, and if not recession, certainly, you know, stagflation, stagnation. Um, UK, again, um, third quarter GDP was zero. We've seen a slight improvement in services, PMIs over November and December. So we could avoid recession. But again, I think growth is going to be um, very, very weak in 2024. Having said that, when you consider where we were a year ago, and the Bank of England was saying two years of recession or stagnation, we're in a better place now than we were then. And, and I still think that there are grounds to be mildly optimistic, looking at what commodity prices are doing, look at what inflation is doing. Wages here are trending at a much higher rate than they are in the US, 7%. Headline CPI is around about 4.5%. So you, you, could see, you could see a slightly better UK economy. I think my biggest concern is China and what's happening there because you look at the you look at the inflation numbers there ppi cpi the economy looks weak there's a reluctance on the part of chinese authorities to really stimulate the economy there and i think you could see a period of a fairly low growth in china um, which will probably keep the global economy ticking over in 2024. Um, i think the us is still as as muhammad Arian once put it the cleanest dirty shirt <laughs> so what are you looking what are you looking for next week i mean we're going to get through the uh you know get through the expiration and all mm. the fireworks for that uh a lot of things going on next week and uh, a whole new mm. set of data and stuff to look at what, what are you going to be focusing on i'm going to be looking at the bank of japan on tuesday um be very interested to see um what sort of message they send out i mean you're talking about mixed messages guys um <laughs> Oweda sent a very yeah. mixed message at the beginning of this month when he suggested that they would be looking at potentially, um, you know, pulling pulling the economy out of that negative rate scenario, only to go and do a complete reverse flip on um, a few days later. So I think for me, it seems a bit odd that the Bank of Japan's talking about normalising monetary policy at a time when 
all the other central banks are potentially going the other way and loosening monetary policy. And the Japanese economy contracted by seven-tenths in Q3. I think what the Fed's done in the past few days has done the Bank of Japan an enormous favour in basically strengthening the yen and weakening the dollar. And ultimately, I think for next week, I'll be very interested to understand how they're going to pitch a normalization of monetary policy because essentially they can't stay in negative territory forever. Um, UK CPI, looking for that next week as well. We'll see how much more that's come down. We're still well above the 2.4% that they got in Europe. We're at 4.4%, 4.6%. So it'll be interesting. And I can understand why the Bank of England, three people voted for a rate hike there. I don't think we need one. But in terms of keeping a bullish tone under the pound, I think that sort of makes sense. It keeps it keeps um, it keeps the the market on edge, and helps to give sterling a bit of an underlying bid. And then obviously, you've got all the U.S. inflation numbers on Friday next week. But to be quite honest, I'm trying to do as little as possible market-wise. Um, I think it's going to be pretty thin. An awful lot of people are probably going to be pretty much done for the year. Michael Hewson, a CMC market analyst and one of the best out there. Congratulations on your award. Thanks for Thank you very much. Yeah, trying to put this all together for us, Michael. We'll be dialing you up for sure in 2024. Thanks. Yeah, for you have a great us. Christmas and New Year, guys. Happy Thank holidays. Thanks, Michael. Take care. Take care. Always good to have Michael, of course. Uh, it's always great to bring that view and perspective from across the pond. And of course, the markets are everyone's just, you know, cartoon eyes right here. What's going on? What's going yeah. on, Joel? What How's a, the markets what moving a move. Here? I mean, we were up at one point in time. The <laughs> IWM, you don't see much on the SPY. SPY is just like whatever. It's, it's hedged in itself because it's got mega cap tech and all the other stuff. But the IWM moves incredible. Bring it up. Get that SPY off. it got to start looking. Right. You know what? I'm officially going to add the IWM awesome. to my Who the hell app? wants to trade SPY when it doesn't move? IWM well, moves. Yeah, so anyways, we were 201 this morning. <laughs> We just went down and ticked 197. So you just That's lost 2%. Move. It was a 2% move. move right there almost. And now we're coming all the way back up to flat. And I think the market's probably saying, to, to Michael's point, and to something I just said too, is, is Williams is in Powell. So he's talking it down and they're hit and they hammered it because of it. But this isn't you know completely. like He's saying complete opposite, but Powell has a lot more weight. So I don't know what to say anymore. I don't know what the Fed is thinking. You know, it sounded like Powell was, they were thinking, you know, we're thinking about cuts. And then William says, we're not thinking about cuts at all. It's way too early to talk about cuts. So now we don't know what to believe. So now you're just waiting for the next Fed speak. But what we have set up is volatility. Love volatility. What we have set up is watch for the next Fed speak, (laughs) because that is all that matters right now is Fed speak. Uh, Dennis, just for your IWM, I mean, we talked about this yesterday. I mean, there's not just one monthly high in this area, around 200. There's like five monthly highs around this area, right? And so we talk about, you know, daily resistance, weekly resistance. You're talking about monthly resistance here. And uh, who knows? I mean, that at 200 is huge and still got a way to go to the 50% retracement. Just for a quick I'll spy update, and I'll just I can illustrate it with the spy. You were asking me about support, Mitch, and you know where I'd be looking for support. I mean, first thing that I that I look at when you have a kind of you know overnight session is do you get follow through through like the pre-market lows or pre-market highs? And uh your pre-market low 
in the spy, uh, you made it earlier at um, uh, and you just came back down to it. The S&P's made a new low by a couple ticks. So if you're licking your chops on the downside here, at least wait till we take out the pre-market low. And uh, now the, the close has more significance, but the fact that you've traded through that close so many times, it loses its uh, its technical yes, value. There's a yeah. great point, too, which we don't see that often. When you trade through the close again and again and again, it loses its significance. First time through, it's significant because a lot of people from Mark there, a lot of people already traded out of all that stuff. So that's a great point that we don't often get a chance to make here. What volatility? Selling off, hammering, nonstop hammering in the entire Williams interview. He stopped speaking, and they start rallying. So, I mean, that was, you know, a five-minute interview there, which was on CNBC, which was obviously market impactful and market moving there. Um, now, and then he stops talking, the market forgets about it five minutes later. So, this market is just unbelievable. Can the SEC do something about this or, or can they calm this I, down? Because this this has gotten out of hand, guys. Let's just be honest. Um, this Fed talk, I know I don't know. I mean, you guys know more of course, with the trading with the experience. The SEC is on market regulation, so they're not gonna do nothing on Fed speak. I mean <sighs> something has it, to happen here, man. You're talking about like insider trading out of it and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, that oh, stuff's man. always happened from the yeah. from man, the I mean, just, imagine, you know. In, you know, imagine Nancy or imagine one of them is like, well, William's going to go on CBC and talk down the market. That'd be pretty good to be short the market ahead of that. But oh none of those Lord. people prosecuted. They got yeah. a green light to print money if they knew what Williams was going to say. There's four, 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 four points on the IWM right there if you knew what Williams <laughs> was going to say. Oh, yeah. If you can predict the Fed speak, if you have an insider scoop on the Fed speak, you make a lot of money. Yeah, man, it's just frustrating for like, I, I think for like the average retail trader, um, even if you felt you got it right yesterday and then all of a sudden this happens, you know, you're mad at this Fed. You're like, dude, if you wouldn't just spoke today, I probably would be making money. So, I, I mean, th this is the hard part, I think. This um, is back all, green now. And, and back it's so green. funny to look at all the way, you know, we look here and here we are right back to where we started. So it's crazy to think that we just went full circle here where we were way up this morning. And IWM, and again, this is so muted, you got to ignore it. But, you know, IWM up two, over two points, two and a half points. Gives it all back, goes down two points, a four-point fall off, and now we're right back to scratch. Who knows what to think next? I like Do how... You want, uh, you, oh, I'm sorry, Mitch, go ahead. No, you're good. I was just making a comment. Paul's like, yeah, Williams must hate solar. <laughs> all the solar <laughs> stocks tank. They all tank, but they're all coming back now, too. Yeah. The dips got bought, folks. The dips got bought. It's just Williams, the big money says. Williams just shoots in mouth off. That's what the big money was saying. Forget about Williams. Forget about him. We're buying stocks. <laughs> the guys. bullish. Williams. Who's Williams? You want to hear a scary thought? What if Powell steps down and they put Williams in? Oh my gosh! Oh my God. God. <laughs> you're trying to wreck don't us, even man. Put that thought out there. I don't even know. No, because you know, I said that you know when we talk, like Powell, I'm like, you know, he he looks like he's trying just to go out on a high note. You know, and announce his resignation. Trying to then, turn the lights over here. And then, and then he all of a sudden, you know, this other guy. I mean, do you yeah. think they're having? Do you think he's got? Uh, I think uh, he's Williams. Down can you Williams come down to right my now. office? Can oh you, yeah, I think you... they're gonna throw down here. We're gonna have yeah. Powell and Williams in the octagon there. Forget about <laughs> Zuck versus Musk. We want Powell versus Williams. Who is your money on? 
I think Williams will take Powell, honestly. I think I'm he's sorry. younger. I think like, he's guys, younger. I'm starting yeah, a, a whole younger. new business. I, I, I've got my business. money on Williams. I got 20 open on Williams right Forget now. Forget the ultimate fighting championships. Forget UFC. We're going to make the finance championship. Oh, yeah. We bring in the best financial <laughs> names to just box it just out, fight. man. Just fight. <laughs> Hey, they're going yeah. down though after this. Powell's like right there. He's like, get me that Williams guy on the phone. I'm trying to go build my legacy here, and you're pissing all over it. Shut your mouth, Williams. Shut your mouth. You're fired, man. man. It's a hell in a cell, man. Hell in a cell is being in this market. So battle. be careful out there, team. All right, guys, it's 857. I just want to bring in some really quick news, at least uh, major news on some upgrades and downgrades. There was some we good upgrades in Bank of America upgrading Intel. Um, I know that you caught also another one on AMD and Micron, Dennis. What you see on AMD and Micron for that Intel upgrade, this raised price target from 32 to 50. So Bank of America really stepping up. Um. Wow. So yeah, AMD, Micron, Intel all get upgraded at Bank of America. They're all buying dips and there's no dips to even be had on these stocks. They're basically chasing these stocks. I'm long AMD, you know that. I was long Micron and Intel. I'm not long either of those anymore. I think these are still stocks that do drive the next bull market. I don't know. Intel has come back so far. Uh, I like the AMD story. You know that. Micron on dips. I'd be a buyer of Micron on dips. Maybe not Intel. Uh, let's just take a look at the price action. I don't know how I got the A and the D on there. That's a new trick here. But uh, on uh, Intel, we'll just see. I mean, with these upgrades and stuff, you want to see how the market reacts to it off the opening bell. You got a buck to get to yesterday's high at 47.07. So if it if it fails getting up there, wow, that, that sold off a buck. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, so you're going to have to pick an intermediate level, I think. I don't know if you're going to get that, especially with the way the market's acting. Uh, oh, sport, it, crazy. yeah, and uh, Micron that's got an upgrade. I mean, this these seem like a little late to the party calls here, but mm, you know, why not? Uh, why not press it? Uh, pre market high, Micron 8380. Now that that's acted better. Uh, we'll use 8240 uh, as one star support. You got to stay above 8240 because that was the high from yesterday, so you start to get in the gap area. And then AMD, great move yesterday. Wow, way off yesterday's high at 141.82. Uh, so just make sure this one stays green. Uh, the closing, two closes at 138, 138.19, and 138 even from yesterday. So make sure you hold that double close area. Smash the like, guys, and hit that subscribe. Of course, a minute or two extra here for you guys, a little bonus. I just wanted to throw out one stock that I was trying to trade on Wednesday. I got chopped out on it, but it's starting to get stronger. I wanted to get Dennis and Joel's opinion. SMCI, Super Microcomputer. I'm long SMCI, and I remain long SMCI. I think it's going to be one of those stocks that's going to be and a big piece of AI going forward. And I want to be long AI stocks. I got my, so my three AI stocks that I own in my long-term portfolio are in a full size. Well, I don't know. They're, they're all kind of not huge positions, but they're, 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 they're normal size positions. AMD, SMCI, and NVIDIA. Those are the three I've got. I'm sticking with those stocks. When I was selling stuff out of the, of the portfolio yesterday, it wasn't my good stuff. I sold, I did sell some Unity because that had been an absolute dog, but I kept some of it. 
I sold lithium, LTHM, part of that one. I sold some IWM. I was selling stuff that I just don't feel like it's going to be part of this AI story because I am a believer in AI. So I'd be buying the AI stocks on pullbacks here. SMCI would be buying on pullbacks. NVIDIA, I'm a buyer on pullbacks. AMD, I'd be buying, but it's run so far. I mean, you need a serious pullback in that one for me to get more. Pretty much range bound for now, right? I mean, uh, you know, the range is getting tighter, but since that last report, I mean, you, you, the support moved up from the 230 area to the 240 area. Now, great support at 260. Um, I don't think things really get going on the upside here. You do have a couple highs just above 300. So, the way this thing moves, the 306 area. Uh, but the major resistance, it's a ways away, up at, uh, at 317. All right, guys, let's wrap this market up. Um, any last comments, guys? Let's go ahead and give them, and we'll wrap up the day here. Just keep your head on a swivel because yeah. speak is not finished here. We're going to talk a lot about Williams here today. They're shrugging it off here now. I don't know what to say, who to believe. It's obviously probably Powell has a lot more weight. The market is saying that, but we really haven't sold off anything overall here. So this nope. just opens your eyes a little bit that, hey, maybe these rate cuts aren't imminent. That's nobody commented sure. on the elf. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> nobody looked at my background here. This elf just shows up here overnight. This elf on the shelf game. He's part of Benzinga, man. Yeah. It just shows up here and it's got a bunch of Monopoly money here. You're I don't trying even to know give Benzinga some money here. over there. What's going Apparently on? Apparently they're magical and they just show up here, but it just showed up in the background here. And and my wife and the kids say you can't touch it because if you touch it, it goes back to the North Pole. So apparently we can't Whoa. touch it here. So so we just sit here and we look at it here. Apparently it wanted to be on the podcast. It wanted its, uh, you know, 30 seconds of fame here. So there you go, Mr. Elf. Elf on the shelf making a broad or making its debut on pre-market prep. All right. And, and uh, just real quick, uh, technically, I mean, I get, we gave you that close. It looks like it's going to be uh, choppy above and below the close. So I'd like to see an established bid at uh, 47.74 early on in the session. Potential double top up there, 89 even. That was yesterday's high. Or 47.89 is the current high. 47.91.75 was your high from yesterday. And I'm not looking for any, I'm not any downside until we take out that pre-market low. So great show today, guys. Boy, man, we got the fireworks. So everyone have a great weekend and uh, be back with you later on. All right, Joel's hopping out of here. And um, I did want to let you guys know I was able to let the live trading crew know yesterday. Uh, but I have announced, yes, I am going to be a father, a dad, guys. I am going to be a dad of not only one baby, but twins, man, twins. I got twins on the way, guys, wow. and two boys on the way uh coming soon double trouble in march um so if you guys have been wondering while certain days i've been missing uh, i mean of course taking care of the wife uh but looking forward to it so i wanted to give you guys that information here at the end of the show as a, a added bonus right santa's bringing me an extra your gift position you are adding to your position yeah. Yeah. Life, man. We couldn't be happier for you. Well, along the Hotch family. Yeah. Mitch, congratulations. Joel and I have known about this for a while here. You told us a while ago, so it's now public, so we can talk about it. Congratulations here. 
Um, enjoy your freedom for a next little bit here. It's going to get really busy for you, man. It's going to get really <laughs> busy. Is, but you know what? Kids is. make the world worth it all. So, like, you know, I got the stupid elf on the shelf thing in the background here. I mean, kids make it. You know, it makes everything yeah. worthwhile. So, congratulations, Mitch. We wish you all the best, obviously. And, uh, yeah, continue to uh, looking forward to working with you in the new yeah. year. Yeah, so uh, you guys don't have to take part in this, but I did throw up there a registry that we're doing, uh, trying to get some things for the twins. But I see all the love in the chat. I'm going to definitely even show the wife this. She tunes in, guys, sometimes just to watch my show. Um, so I'm going to show her all the love in the chat. I truly appreciate everyone here. I appreciate Dennis, Joel. They're always helping out, get me to that next level. So thank you guys, like always. And let's continue the end of 23 and get ready to have a killer 24. Sounds good, Mitch. Congrats. Have a good man. one, Dennis. Go do what you do best, man. Dennis is getting to his trading action. I'm getting to my trading action. It's great. The love in the chat. And I did see even a super sticker there. So thank you, Gabe. I really appreciate the love. Everyone in the chat, so many people jumping in here and giving the good congratulations. So I'll tell you what, I truly appreciate it. It's going to push me forward. And I hope that I'm able to continue helping you guys push forward in life, just like you guys have helped me. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us today. Like always, all this information is for informational purposes only, not to be used as investment advice and maybe not investment advice to have twins. But hey, that's how life is, right? Opinions do not represent those of Benzinga. Hosts and guests may maintain positions of security discussed today. And I hope that you guys have a great day. Let's continue the party going. We're going to bring you over to live trading. That's coming up next where you see, of course, Lord Ryan and I get after the markets. I got a couple swing trades. I've mentioned SMCI. I'll be taking a look at that also. If you guys want to find out all about the trading action, stay right here and we'll bring you right over.